Hi, my name is Pat. I'm a very grateful recovering combustible overeater. Hi, Pat. Hi, everyone. The topic of this, oh, I guess, let me see. Okay, let's start with the serenity prayer, okay? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. The topic of this workshop is higher power spiritual experience. My name is Pat, and I am one of the leaders for this meeting, and the other speaker is Lee. Um, this session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Uh, will someone please volunteer to be the timer? Anyone? Great. And, um, okay, we share for 20 minutes. So would you give us a five-minute um, high sign when we've got five minutes left? That would be great. Thank you. Um, we would like to remind OA members who are in other 12-step fellowships to speak only on their personal recovery as an OA member. Um, so now I would like to introduce Lee. I've known her for like years and years and years, and we used to room together at conventions and everything. And uh, she's just been uh, a really a real strength in my program. So I'm really happy to be sharing this workshop with her. So this is Lee. Hi, family. My name's Lee. I'm a compulsive overeater. It said to uh, spend not more than five minutes on my own story. Um, I am a, a relapse survivor. I uh, had 11 years in the program, back-to-back um, -back abstinence, and then some one very traumatic thing happened in my life. Um, my husband committed suicide, but I didn't pick up then. I, um, I got through several years of dealing with that, going to meetings, and I think for me, uh, when I started trying to date again, the old inferiority feelings came back, and I will, uh, I don't want to dwell on this, but I just want to say food was the last thing that I did. I started uh, not doing my disciplines of praying to God daily, doing my meditation, reading, writing, those things started going by the wayside, but I never stopped going to meetings, so if there's any of you out there, please, if you hear a message, it's this. If you are in the food, don't give up. There's always hope. I currently have two and a half years back-to-back -back abstinence. Um, I've lost 40 pounds. I still have a lot more to go. It came on a lot faster than it did coming off. But um, I thank God every day that I do have abstinence again. So I want to get into uh, the... Uh, higher power of spirituality. Um, and i got to tell you real quick, when I went to sign the service form that I was here, I didn't know who my other workshop leader would be. And then I saw Pat S. And I went, oh, my God, that is God working. That is so wonderful. I was so related. So anyways, when I came into program, 
I always believed in a God. Um, however, my understanding of God is not what I have today. I was a person that went through college very determined, knowing exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I had a written five-year plan, and I had a written ten-year plan for what my life would look like. And things happened that weren't really in that plan. I had no intention of getting married very soon. Um, I was supposed to go to Boston with a girlfriend and live in Boston. We were both going to work in town. I'm from uh, uh, Massachusetts, Marshfield right now. Uh, So anyways, that was the plan. She met a guy in the Coast Guard fell head over heels in love and told me that even though we signed a lease, we weren't going to be moving together as roommates. And around that time, the beginning of the year, I had been dating the man that I ended up marrying. And um, he proposed to me about the time she was getting married. And I said, well, my plans are screwed up. I need someone to live with. I can't do it on my own. I might as well get married. That's the honest to God. I mean, I loved him, and I know there was more than that, but I also know that was God working in my life because I didn't give a lot of thought to that. Didn't want a family till I was established in the workplace. Uh, three months after I was married, I got pregnant, and that's when I got so angry at God. I thought, God just sits up there, he does these little traps that people can fall into, and then so he can zap them with the things that happen. So when I came into program, I had such a hard time when I would hear, you know, the serenity prayer, and I would hear reference to God, higher power. One thing that did help me was someone said, well, you know, you can let higher power um, Uh, I'm sorry, you can let God stand for good, orderly direction. And I really grabbed at that because I could deal with that. But then in about the, um, I think it was like my third year, I had to change sponsors. Mine left the program. Actually, my first two sponsors left, and I started to wonder if it was me turning them out. But (laughs) all about me. So um, the third sponsor was very, very serene, and she had come through the doors of another 12-step program. And her way of sponsoring, she took you through the steps. I didn't really realize till I was halfway in it that's what we were doing. But So when we got to uh, you know, step three, I said, I am having a really hard time turning my will and my life over to the care of the God as I understand him. And she said, well, you know what? We can deal with that. She said, you're going to fire the God of your old understanding. You're going to write out a job description of what you want in your new God to be. And you will have a new God answer that job description. I thought this lady was smoking weed, (laughs) but she had what I wanted, serenity, so I would do whatever she said. So I can remember writing out on paper, my God would be all loving, 
all forgiving, would never leave my side, would always let me know he was with me, um, had a sense of humor. My big regret is not writing, God would work fast. <laughs> but I didn't put it in the job description. So then she, she, we went outside, and she lit a fire in her um, thingamajig that you burn stuff in. And then she had me throw the paper in the fire. And as the smoke went up, that was me putting that job description out to the universe. And then she said, and now you have the God that you wanted. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, I love you, but I'm not sure I buy into all of this. And she said, you know what, believe that I believe. And then she said another great thing of wisdom that has helped me in many other places. She said, until you believe you have this God working in your life, you act as if. And I said, what do you mean? She says, you act as if God is always with you. You act as if God loves you unconditionally. You go through those motions and you act as if this is the God you have. And so I, you know, I did that for days after days. And after a while, I just start kind of being more comfortable that I had that kind of God working in my life. But uh, where my spiritual experience comes in for me, and this isn't the case for everyone. Sometimes your higher power, you, you learn it through very subtle things. But for me, I did have something that happened in my life that I'll never forget, and it made it solid that I did have this God in my life. Um, my husband and I, one night, got a call at 2 in the morning saying that his 19-year-old niece had hung herself and come to the town. We lived about 40 minutes from where they came from Fairhaven. He came from Fairhaven. And so we went rushing to Fairhaven to be with the family, and when we got down there, we realized that this girl's sister, who had only one year of sobriety, was alone on the Cape, and someone needed to break the news to her. So I was going to drive with my nephew to find her. And before I even left the house, we got another call from her. She was hysterical. Some well-meaning neighbor had heard it on the police scanner and took it on themselves to call her and tell her. So now it was like even more critical that we get down there and be with her. So it's like if you can picture driving uh, like 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd never been to her place. It was in uh, Falmouth. Country road, no house lights on, no lights on the street, driving along, trying to find this address. I knew we were on the right road, but trying to find the right address. You can't go knocking on house doors at 4 o'clock in the morning. So my nephew and I drove, I think, two or three times up and down the whole length of the road. And finally, I said to him, you know, this is not working. We've got to try and find where the police station is and have them help us. And as I said that to him, in my mind, what I said was, 
God, I have been trying for years to really believe that you are in my life and that you are there for me. If you are, I need a sign from you because I am feeling lost. I really need your help. So I turned into a, a dirt driveway to turn around, and there was a post and a wheel hanging, and on the wheel was her address. I, I never forgot that. I, that. That just cemented in my mind that I knew God was always there for me. You know, and there's been rough times, like I said, when my husband died. Um, I knew he was there for me. I knew he would help me get through this. I've had, you know, operations that I pray, if this is the time you want me to join you, I'm okay. But if anything, please, I don't want an infection from the operation. You know, I'd, I'd go into it like that. There's been other things, too, though, that I've seen that, not only is God working in my life, but I see the connection with other people. How much time do I have? Okay, I can tell you this one. There's many others, but this one just came to mind. By the way, I think like Pat, you know, I never script or write out notes of what I'm going to say because I really believe God is working in my life and that God will direct whatever message I'm supposed to say. And um, so if the right message isn't said, I always blame him for it. <laughs> so anyways, um, this one summer I was at a beach um, before the Cape, uh, beautiful beach. It's about an hour. I used to live in a place called West Bridgewater, Mass. And it was about an hour's drive to that. And my husband and I were on the beach and we were on the blanket. And I was just kind of leaning up on my elbows, looking around. And from a distance, I could see this like small child, a little girl. She was about, I think, like five years old. And I saw her like turning her head from side to side, but she kept walking like a straight line towards me. And I'm looking, and she's coming closer and closer. And she came right up to my uh, blanket, and she looked at me, and she said, can you help me? I think my mummy is lost. She was lost. <laughs> And she was holding back the tears. And I took her hand and I said, we'll find you, Mommy. So I started walking in the direction she had come from. And we're looking all around. And I'm like, do you see your Mommy? Do you see your Mommy? And she's like, no, I don't see her yet. And I, she was getting more and more like ready to just lose it. And I said, you know what, honey? We're going to go where the lifeguards are because they can see way up high and they can help us find your mummy. So I did a complete opposite direction. And as I was going towards where the lifeguards were, all of a sudden I saw this woman standing with her back towards me, frantically screaming a kid's name. And I had forgot to ask the little girl her name. But the little girl heard the voice, and she started running like everything. And I'm running to try. Back then, I could run. <laughs> I'm running trying to catch up with her. And as we got like a, maybe like four or five feet away, the woman turned around. She saw her daughter. 
she she you know went like this with her arms the little girl went running and then the woman looked up at me and she went oh my god lee it's you it was the woman from one of my home groups now is that not god working in both of our lives or all three of our lives you know um i think the big difference too about program is i learned to l- look for these things. I can see these little miracles every day as I go. Uh, You know, before I would just take things like that for granted. So um, I, I grew up in a certain religion. I don't consider myself religious. I will say because of OA, I think it has enhanced my enjoyment of the religion that I practice. But I really do believe that because of OA, I am a spiritual person. Um, I, I start every morning the same way. I go up to the kitchen table. Well, first I do some things like the bathroom. Actually, before I even get out of bed, I used to be on the knees w- with two knee operations. I can't anymore. I say the third step prayer. I go to the bathroom, then I go upstairs, make the cup of coffee. Then I pull out my for today, my voices of recovery. And then I pull out my journal. And it's always a letter to God. And the first line is, thank you, God, for another day of life. Because before this program, I came close to suicide myself because I just hated myself. So this program has not only given me hope and a lust for living, but it's giving me a God that I know is with me, that a higher power that I have without exception. And then I write two or three other things I'm grateful for, and then I'll whatever journal. Sometimes if there are issues that I need to turn over to God, if there are people that I have to put in his hands, I'll write about that. And then the hardest thing I do is meditation. I'm not great at it. My meditation is I look outside and I see the miracle of my higher power, the beautiful birds, the beautiful autumn colors, uh, things that I just took for granted before, you know. Life is just so wonderful, and I realize that. And so I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful to God for Roseanne S. and her kitchen buddies that first founded OA, because I know my life is so, so enriched because I am a member of this fellowship. So thank you all. And now we will have my friend Pat S. Hi, everyone. I'm Pat. I'm a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Pat. Hi. I'm really happy to be here this evening. Um, Portland is my hometown. I grew up in uh, just down the street on Middle Street. There's, there's a division uh, between spring goes this way and middle goes that way. And I was on the end of Middle Street, lived in a little tenement there, Little Italy, we called it. Um, I came into program in 1976, so this is my 42nd year. I've been abstinent since 1981. And... Um, when I first came into program, uh, and I 
I came strictly for the diet, I, strictly to lose weight. Um, and I practiced step one very well. And, um, and called, I got a sponsor the first night I was at an OA meeting. And I, and, but that's all I was focused on was step one and the diet and, and, um, and getting thin. I didn't, and I remember my sponsor saying to me, you know, if you, um, if you don't follow through and work on the spiritual and the emotional, you're going to pick up again. And I went, "Uh uh-huh, and kept right on doing what I was doing. And I would go to three meetings a week because that's what my sponsor told me to do. And there were no meetings. I went, I lived in New Hampshire and at the time in 76, there were no meetings in New Hampshire. So I would go to Massachusetts. My closest meeting was two hours away. And I went three times a week, come rain, snow, sleet, dark of night. And I thought that was going to any length at that time. And um, I um, and I would go to a meeting, and I, would, I was like little Miss OA. I lost all my weight in probably the first three months that I was in program. And I left. I, I would go with my – because we didn't have the, any OA literature then. It was all – the AA big book in the 12 and 12. So I would go with my with my big book in 12 and 12, and I would share at a meeting, and then I would uh, go home and put the books up on the shelf, and I wouldn't take them down again until I went to the next meeting. And um, so needless to say, once I lost the weight, I thought, okay, I'm cured. And um, I stopped the disciplines. I stopped... Um, calling my sponsor. I stopped making my phone calls. I stopped doing the drill. And um, and eventually I picked up again. And I remember um, I gained just about all of my weight back except for a half pound. And that half pound was really important. And uh, I realized that if I didn't go back to OA, because that was the only thing that had worked for me, if I didn't go back to OA, I'd either end up in a mental institution or I'd be dead because I didn't have a lot of weight to... I lost probably 40 pounds, 40 or 45 pounds, um, but I was about 350 pounds between the ears. And no matter how thin I got, I wasn't thin enough. And so um, I decided that I had to go back to OA, and I, I had a... A, a stroke of honesty or something because I felt like I had to go back to the very first meeting that I had ever been to. And because I, the, the option was that I could go to a meeting where no one knew me and I could be a newcomer all over again and nobody would know. But I, I had a stroke of honesty and I couldn't do that. So I went back to my original meeting. And when I walked into my meeting, I got there early. And uh, I, and all these thoughts were going through my head because I had such shame about leaving and being thin and then coming back and being almost the same weight that I was when I got there the first time. And I was calling myself all kinds of names, and that was one of the things that I had to make amends to myself for, um, uh, calling myself all these names, gotten stupid, whatever. And... Um, when I got to the meeting, um, I was concerned about what people would say, and I got there early, like I said, 
and there were people setting up. And a person turned around when they heard that we had the squeaky door, which they never fixed. You know, as soon as you walked in, they, you, you were announced by the door. And um, so she turned around to see who was coming in. And she came up to me with her arms wide open and said, we're so glad to see you. We've missed you so. And it was the only thing that anybody ever said to me about my coming back. They were just glad to see me there. And that was my sponsor that, that, had, that had done that. And, um, but people knew when I stopped uh, coming to meetings and when I disappeared, they knew that I was out there eating. And I think they were just hoping and praying that I would come back. And thank for the grace of God, I did come back. And I've been here ever since. That was my first relapse. My second relapse was when I was going through a divorce. And the one thing that I did for myself was as miserable as I felt, I was into food up to my eyeballs. When a newcomer would get up at a meeting and share about the one, the joys of abstinence, I wanted to punch their lights out because I was up to my eyeballs in food. And I just kept coming. And uh, it was very painful to be there with a head full of program and a stomach full of food. But people just kept saying to me, don't quit before the miracle happens. We won't give up on you. Your higher power won't give up on you. If anybody gives up, it's going to be you, and don't let it happen. And I followed their advice, and I stayed. My experience with regard to um, a higher power, I thought that... um, that that the higher power was going to be a non-issue for me because I believed in God, I practiced my faith. And what I realized was that I saw God as a taskmaster, that uh, he left me alone if I was good and he lowered the boom when I was bad. And, um, and, and similar to what was said earlier, I was, it was suggested that I find a different definition of a higher power that I changed the high, the image that I had of a higher power as a youngster. And um, so I, I, what was suggested to me was to take all of the good qualities that I saw in the people that I loved and put them all together and make that my higher power. And that's what I did. Um, I had a, um, uh, a priest friend who was the most compassionate person I had ever met in my life. And um, and I took all of those wonderful qualities of that person and, and someone else, and, and that became my higher power. What I found was that it wasn't the belief in a higher power that was the issue for me. I had to change what my image was. But I had a problem with step two, not step three, because... Um, Coming to believe that that a higher power would restore me to sanity, I believed that he would restore you to sanity and you to sanity and you to sanity and you to sanity, but I wasn't good enough. And that was the roadblock for me. And what I discovered at an OA retreat once was because I had one of these... um, blasts, you know, real God shots, and... um, and it was something that showed me that um, that God was that God loved me, that God was with me always, and would never, ever, ever let me down. And um, sometimes they didn't like his answers, but he always had a better plan than I had. 
and it was something that um, that I I had a little bit of trouble. I I got my spirituality in this program. I had religion in my faith at the time. I I thought that I was practicing my faith, but what I was doing was practicing rituals. And I really didn't have a personal relationship with a higher power. And that's what this program gave me, is that I'm a big crybaby. And now the first person that I run to is God. You know, when I'm hurt, when I'm upset, when I'm angry, um, I yell at God when I'm angry. I'm, he could do things differently. And and then five minutes later, I'm apologizing for being a jerk. And um, and and this is the way it goes with with us. And 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 a lot of times it's just you know I get this little message like Pat, just cool your jets. <laughs> you know everything's going to be okay. And um, and so I've I've come to re- I, I my morning practice. I I live with um, uh, a friend, and our morning practice is. Um, we do prayer and meditation in the morning, and we pray for, we have a God box, and whenever there's someone that needs our prayers, they go in the God box. We call it, it's it's sort of like being in the mafia. Once you get in, you never get out. And so they're constantly being prayed for. And, um, and we do uh, spiritual readings, and we thank God for... Um, for the day and for the day before, and and the one of the last things that we ask is that um, we be open to God's will in our lives, and um, and I I I'm I'm constant communication with God. I'm uh, especially I drive a lot. I I skate competitively, and um, which I'm really proud of because I'm 76 years old. <laughs> And uh, and so the closest rink to me is um, an hour away. So I do a lot of if I'm not talking to my sponsor, I'm I'm talking to God, and uh, on my uh, to and from, and um, I get a lot of things worked out in that. You know, in in talking with God and just saying, um, I took a a, a bad fall um, a few. Well, it was in May, I think. No, it was in June, early June. And uh, my partner and I were practicing a routine, and uh, we disconnected on the right side We're in this position. And we disconnected on this side, but not on this side. And I hit something on the floor and went face first, and and uh, he was still holding on to this arm. And I ended up breaking the arm. So one of the things that that I am having to overcome is the fear of falling because I've fallen before on my own and, 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 um, and I've worked through that, you know, because one of the things that I would do is as soon as I got up from falling, then I would do the exact same part of the dance that I was doing so that um, I wouldn't be afraid. But I couldn't do that this time because I couldn't raise this arm and I was in a lot of pain, so... Uh, I never got to skate immediately after I had taken the fall. So it had been a month that I had to have been on off skates, according to the doctor. Well, I was back in three and a half weeks, but don't tell him. And, um, and I had to um, – I'm still getting over that fear of 
being on the floor, uh, not so much by myself, but when I'm skating with my partner, um, because we skate very close together and we can get our feet tangled up sometimes. And, um, but every, every time I get on the floor, before I get on the floor, I ask God for, and my guardian angel for protection to keep me safe and upright. (laughs) And uh, so far it's worked, but it's the relationship that I have with God is, is it's like a best friend. You know, one of the things that we talk about in relationships is that uh, in order to, you've heard that expression, in order to get a friend, be a friend. And, and, um, and, in, and in order to have a friendship, you have to communicate with the person and you have to get to know the person and, and, and the, the relationship gets enriched. And that's the way I feel about my relationship with God. Because the only way I get to know God more and deeper is by talking with him and listening to him. And I tend to talk a lot. So I, it's like every once in a while I get this little message that says, Pat, just, just zip it for a minute and listen to what I have to say. <laughs> and, um, and it really, um, there's this wonderful peace that comes when I, I just lay out all of my issues um, in front of my higher power and just say, I need help with this. I don't know what to do, and I need your guidance. And, and I listen for that guidance. And if I can't, um, if I don't get something right away, I just wait. You know, that's for me, is the best thing. Um, just because someone else wants me to make a decision right away doesn't mean that I have to. Um, and that's something that I learned in this program is that just because someone says something and wants me to make a decision right then, I don't have to do that. If it's something that I need to pray about and ask God about, and sometimes it's not direct, sometimes I need to call my sponsor or another OA friend that says, this is the issue and, and I'm, I need some help here. And, um, and it, and it always works for me. I just, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that God has my back. I never, I I have never doubted that since the day that I had that experience at an OA retreat and that there was, that, that there was no doubt that, that there was this tremendous love that no one loves me more than my higher power and all my higher power wants for me is happiness, and he wants me to get to know him better. And um, I am so grateful for, um, the exp- for, for finding my higher power in this fellowship because um, it gave me a whole different perspective of what I was taught. And, and I've come full circle because... The relationship that I have with my higher power today really helps me in my faith. And I think it was there all along, but I just never heard it. And it was through you, it was through the people in this program that shared their experiences as far as going through difficulties and 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 making it through with the grace of God and being able to come out the other end stronger 
And that was the same thing when I, was going, when I went through my divorce. My biggest fear, I think, when I was married, that I would be alone and that my husband, that he would die. I never thought that he would leave, but I thought that he, if he died. And um, what would I do? I would be like an empty person. I, I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. Um, and it happened. My greatest fear happened. And there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of fear. But I had, I had this fellowship. I had my friends. I had the people in this fellowship who became my friends. And they were all supportive of me. And I had my higher power. And I have to tell you a funny story. I, um, we had a farm. And I had horses. And um, my, when my husband left, he took the car and left me the truck. And it had no reverse, so I couldn't, I couldn't back up. I had to pull into a parking space and be able to pull out. And, the, and I didn't have the money to get the truck fixed. So every single time I, I found a parking space, it was one that I was able to pull out of, that I didn't have to back out of. And the other thing was that um, we had two tanks because we used to haul a horse trailer when we showed horses. And um, both tanks were on empty. I had 27 cents in my checking account and no money to get gas. And that truck ran for three weeks on empty, and I never ran out of gas. And I can't explain it. (laughs) Unless the gauge was broken... We were running on, it just reminded me of the seven, three fishes and seven loaves or something like that. But it was just, it just kept going. And uh, so I was forever grateful that the truck could go out forward and that it had gas. So thanks very much. I really appreciate being here. Okay, so uh, let's see. Read before opening meeting to three-minute pitches. We would like to remind OA members who are in other 12-step fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery as an OA member. This workshop will end at 10.30. We will now open the floor for three-minute pitches. If you want to start lining up, I don't know, either side. Um, The timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you would like to share, come to the front of the room and form a line to the right. You must sign a release form before you speak. Step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. Tell us where you are from and how long you've been in OA. We would would like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those who arrive late, the topic of this workshop is Higher Power Spiritual Experience. The meeting is now open for sharing. Our timer is over here. It's uh, three minutes, and she'll do one minute, and I made a sign for when time's up. Hi, I'm Laura, recovering compulsive overeater, undereater from Bayside, New York, which is in Queens. Hey, Laura. Hi, everybody. I've been in program 
29 and three quarters years. And I'm um, coming up on 25 years of abstinence free from middle of the night eating. Thank you, God, at the end of November. Uh, thank you, Pat, and thank you, Lee. It was great to hear you guys. I'm a little tired. I hope I can be coherent in my share. But there's so many situations that I've had where I really felt that God had me in his hands. And, you know, I mean, it starts out with the food and being saved like I was going to have this particular thing, and it wasn't really good for me, and it falls on the floor, and that was the last one, you know. I go, okay, God, I got the message. That was a no. (laughs) You know, things like that. But basically, like, I mean, there are times when I could really think, I could really judge my higher power's wisdom because, you know, when I was waiting to hear about whether I would be, You know, I had a breast biopsy, and I was praying, oh, please, God. And I had enough sense to pray the serenity prayer, but I also know that I was hoping that this cup would pass me by, believe me. And that was not the way it turned out. And so I didn't blame God for that. I just was like, really? Are you effing kidding me? (laughs) So, you know, I don't believe that was God that did that, but I'm grateful because God showed me the miracles along the way with that kind of a diagnosis. And um, I was able to pass that along to my friend who got diagnosed like last December. And so I've been, I took her to my breast surgeon. I took her to my radiation oncologist. You know, it's good. So, you know, we will see how her experience can benefit others. And that's really what God does for me. And so I still do pray for the parking spaces. Thank you. Um, And I do get them. Thank you, God. (laughs) And, you know, like, you know, when you're running late for a meeting or you're running late for some kind of really important OA event and you really don't have any time. And anyway, you know, it's all kinds of great things that my higher power does, not because I'm like so deserving, but I just do the work and I let go of the result. And if it's God's will for me to get certain things, I get it. And if I don't, that's fine, too. That's what turning my will over is in the third step. So um, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'm Sheila from uh, Westchester County, New York. Hi, Hi. I'm back from relapse for 14 years now. After a 10-year relapse where I left the rooms, I know not to do that now. No matter what, I don't. I'm not going to leave the rooms. Um, I I had an experience where I was on my way to the nail salon, and I'm over 70. I was on the way to the nail salon. The nail salon is busy. It was crowded. There wasn't a way to get in, and I heard. Uh, something led me to look to the right, and there's a walk-in center to get mammograms. Now, I'd had a mammogram, what, a year and a half before. I'm not supposed to get them for every two years now. So I said, oh, you know, nail salon is busy. Why don't I walk in and see what happens? Go in, get a mammogram. I have breast cancer. I didn't know I had breast cancer. I would not have known had I, had I not gotten the, sound, the, the message, go get a mammogram. Go in the mammogram, or go get the mammogram. I have had breast cancer, got the surgery, got the radiation, uh, way ahead of when I would have normally gone, and I am free of it now. And that I have to believe that that was a higher power talking to me. So thank you. Hi, I'm Cheryl from Bath, Maine. I am so glad I talked my intergroup into hosting this convention. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Um, I had a really weird experience this summer. I, many years ago, I got my stomach stapled 
stupid, stupid thing. They did other surgery. I have a scar like this high. It's, it's huge. A lot of scar tissue. I have all sorts of issues with my metabolism and, and pain and everything. Well, I finally, this summer, I sent an email to my, my primary care and said, I really need to see somebody that's a bariatric nutritionist that can help me, you know, to eat properly and stuff. And so I didn't hear anything for a couple months. And all of a sudden, I got this call from this place that does bariatric surgery. I had an appointment with a nutritionist. I went, got all this information, asked her all these questions, got stuff, you know, and everything. And I went and I was driving home. And I stopped to get some cat food, and the phone rang, and it was that office. And I had another follow-up appointment and everything. And they said, you weren't supposed to have this appointment. We're not, we, don't, we thought you were going to get more bariatric surgery, so we let you in. But you're not supposed to be a patient of ours because you're not going to have any surgery. So I said, well, okay. Well, I have all that information. And you know what? The last two months, I have had so much my my uh, digestive system's been so much better. I started losing weight, and I you know it's like straightened out because I've got all that information. And my my home group laughs because I said God snuck me into an appointment that otherwise I wouldn't have gotten into. But it has changed my life. So thanks. Hi, I'm Sheila. I'm a compulsive reader. I live in Salem, New York, which is about an hour north of Albany. Kind of didn't want to share, a little tired, but um, today we had a higher power incident. We avoided a major crash on the Mass Pike coming down here, and it was really about 10 feet, I would say. Yeah, about 10 feet away from a major crash, and I thought for sure we were going to be involved. The guy in front of us kind of totaled his car, and there was slick on the road, and kind of just wanted to protect my friend i pulled my old my mom's move i don't know how much my hand would have helped her but i did try but anyway so thank god we're here and safe i'm really glad of that so another higher power incident i love hearing the higher power stories by the way but um i was in a terrible kind of custody battle for a couple of years after my daughter my daughter was born and I didn't have any money so I represented myself in court for a year which was kind of, which was not a good idea but I did what I had to do and I was after about 8 months in and out of court it was pretty bitter and I was in judges chambers and my daughter's father had this fancy lawyer and I was there by myself and and um my now husband was waiting outside of the courtroom and my knees were shaking, my hands were sweating and and I was just about to agree to something that would have changed my daughter's life forever at that point. I was going to agree to her dad to have her every weekend except the the weekend I was in in drill for army reserve. So that would have been every weekend. And I was so tired and beaten down from the process and I felt like I was alone and then I was just ready to agree and then the fire alarm went off in court and the and the judges and, and we all had to file out and 
So my now husband was waiting outside for me, and, he, and I told him what was going on. And he said, you can't agree to that. we got to get a lawyer. <laughs> and we got a lawyer, and, and that didn't happen. It wasn't meant to happen, and it would have really been very destructive in her life. And, um, you know, if it wasn't destructive, I would have been okay with that. But, you know, he has an alcohol problem. But um, so, yeah, that's a real higher power moment for me. And um, and I'm really glad that people are sharing because it reminds me to keep my eyes open for the higher power moments. Because when I'm in my own um, not feeling good, depression over what's going on. Thank you. Is it one minute? Oh, it's time. Sorry, I'll wrap up. But um, I really am going through a very difficult time right now in my work life. And I feel very depressed over this at work of what's going on. And I want, I'm going to turn it over to you, the group, of what's going on. And I often heard people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over my food, turn over this. I let go of this. And that's what I plan to do. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mickey. I'm a compulsive overeater from Montreal. Hi. Um, my motto for the last six to eight months has been higher power all the way. And I truly believe that my higher power takes care of me. Um, since 2008, I've been having problems with keeping a job. I got let go of a job of 15 years, uh, just right out of the blue, didn't know it was coming. And um, I just snapped up the whatever job that I could find, uh, no matter what the cost, you know, 10 bucks. or. Um, and then I kind of smartened up and said, well, I'm a little worth more than 10 bucks an hour. And um, I kept holding out. And thank God I'm in program because I kept turning it over to my higher power. And saying, you know, okay, you know the kind of job that I want, but you know the kind of job that I need and the kind of money that I need to help to run the household. And so um, contracts would come and go and the people would say, well, yeah, you know, we really like you and everything, but your contract's finished, so... Sorry, <laughs> you know, um, and so uh, finally I got hired and, and I had a job for three years. And I was so happy, just so elated. And then again, the, the, the rug got pulled out from underneath me and saying, restructuring, you, you know, bye-bye. And I knew it wasn't their fault. They told me it was from higher up and they had to pick somebody and I happened to be the person. So I said, okay. I had no animosity towards these people. I kept going back to visit. And, uh, and, and in between, I have, uh, uh, you know, contract here, contract there, not for very long. And, uh, and so just recently, well, we reg registered for this a convention in January, the early bird special. And I didn't have a job at that time. And so as the t time was coming and I thought, am we going to go? Are we going to go? Can we afford it? And I just kept going, okay. I'd get a little lax in looking for a job. And then I said, okay, that's enough. Mickey, get off your, your rump and, you know, start looking again. So I'd start looking and every, and all of a sudden the phone would start ringing. 
Um, are you working? Do you need a contract? Do you want a this? You know, and so um, uh, just as recently as September the 17th, I got a contract. And I said, okay, dear, we're going. <laughs> and, you know, that's my higher power working in my life. He wanted me to come. There's something here that he wants me to hear and see. So I'm extremely grateful and higher power all the way. And anyone else? I can hear little voices in the heads talking. You do want to come up. Hi, I'm Mallory. I'm a compulsive uh, eater. Um, hi, hi, from New York City. Um, so the topic of spiritual experience, um, really resonated with me because lately I've been, um, collecting God moments. So thank you all for that. Um, so I'll just share one of the most recent ones. Um, so, cause like, you know, my faith vacillates, right? Uh, one second I have like a staunch faith and then two seconds later I'm like, uh, did I drink the Kool-Aid? That's why I'm... <laughs> Collecting God moments. Um, so the most recent was like a couple days ago. I had, had been having a hard time, and I was like having a hard time showing up for life. And it was just, so I finally, like I called out of work. Um, and so then the next day, I started putting what f one foot in front of the other. And it was like a, a rough day, but one foot in front of the other. And, um, <laughs> you know, everything from that day from like, the time, the timing working out to just like, I just felt like God gave me like a, like a time loop cushion. Like it was just, I was oddly ahead of time. It was just weird. So everything was coming up me that morning in terms of my commute, like every little thing, like even the lock going to the door probably, like every little thing. And I was like, thank God. Cause otherwise I would have had a meltdown. Um, so I was like feeling really good that day. Long story short, I decided in the name of self care, I decided not to go to my normal meeting. And, um, this person had asked me, uh, so somebody had asked me who normally chairs it. And she said, Hey, I can't make it tonight. Can you come? I didn't know what to do. So I sat on it for a bit and I said to myself, you know what? No, really in the name of self-care, I'm not going to go. Um, so I said, I, you know, I really wasn't planning on making that meeting. Is there anybody else that can, um, do it? She said, she'll ask somebody. Fine. Then a newcomer asks me, she sends me a, uh, the address, and she's like, have you ever been to this meeting? I was like, okay, God, you asked me twice now, so I'm going. So I went, and long story short, not only that newcomer that I knew, two other newcomers were at that meeting, and I was leading the meeting. That was the commitment that I was filling in for, So I was, and it was a big book meeting. So I was able to, I took it upon myself to start us at the doctor's opinion, because I knew, I know that that was really important to me when I first walked in to have that identification. It just felt so good to be like called to service. Like God called me to service the other day. Um, and that's probably my time, but I just wanted to say that one quick anecdote about recovery. I met, I was led to recovery by an ex-boyfriend, whatever. I met him at a bar um, and recovery is the best thing that's ever happened to me. We met at a bar called Recovery Room. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Gloria, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi everybody. Um, the one thing I've discovered is that God works in my life, but I don't always see it right away. Mm. 
you know, I'm praying for something and it's a little while later that I look back and I notice and it's, oh, yeah. And the first time was I wasn't in program yet and I was praying all the time, God, please help me to lose weight. I don't want to be thin and beautiful. I just want to feel better. And I wasn't sick and I was 36 years old with three kids and um, I was miserable, you know. And one night, I, my husband was losing his job, and so I went to night school. And a- afterwards, I picked up one of my kids to come to the store to get milk because I didn't want to go into the store with the bright lights on. And two cars over there, I was nosy. There were two girls that I went to school with. They were both married, had the same last name, but I knew they weren't related, and I was nosy. I wanted to know what they were doing together. And I got out of the car, and I went over in the, you know, like in the dark in the parking lot, and I asked them, and they sang to me, kind of sang to me. We just came to, a, we just came from an OA meeting, and we've both lost fifty pounds. And they asked me if I wanted to come, and um, they, and we didn't have a pen. They said, you know, our name is this. It's in the book. Give one of us a call. And I called, and when I called, it almost didn't sound like they really wanted me to come. But I did anyways, and it was the beginning of me coming to program. And, you know, months later and and talking about things in program, it dawned on me one day, oh, my God, God answered that prayer. You know, he put OA in front of me, and then I had to choose whether I wanted to go or not. And, I mean, I, I was amazed. I was just amazed. And then I'll jump forward many years, and um, I have a daughter with MS, and she had been engaged, and he broke it off when he found out the depth of her illness. And I started praying, God, please put somebody in her life. I says, I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I don't care if she gets married or doesn't get married. I'm telling all this to God, right? And this one day, we're at her wedding, and she was still walking at the time, and he's helping her down the stairs. Now, you figure, we planned this whole wedding. Never thought about those prayers once she met him and was doing stuff. You know, it kind of went out the window. And when he, he was walking her down the stairs, and she was now tired because she had been standing a long time, and he's helping her. And I looked at my husband, and I said, oh, my God, he answered my prayer. Again, I didn't see it for a while after. So it's like, even if you think God's not listening, he's listening in his time and just don't give up. You know, this is a beautiful program. I'm so grateful for it. Thank you for all being here. One more. We've got one minute. We got, oh, just one minute? One minute. minute. Want to run up fast? Anyone? Up, come quick. Come quick, you can sign in after. Can I sign after? After, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm Al, a very compulsive overeater. Um, I'm so, I would not be up here today if it wasn't for these rooms, you people, and God. Um, but um, I, I got into the program in the 80s, um, and I, I knew the steps, and I knew everything, but I had my ups and downs. I had a sick wife who was, had multiple sclerosis. I had to take care of her. And the, the deal was I got so sick, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't live anymore. I, I, was, uh, three, I lost 160 pounds. I was 320, had no control, 
And I feel I had a spiritual awakening that I, God came into my heart and my life. And I asked him what to do. And he said, just follow my directions. And I did. And the miracles happened over and over and over. I was, I was a food representative, so I had exposure to every kind type of food. And they wanted me to eat. But constantly, over and over, I was successful. And um, I got a new life. And um, I just recently came back 15 months ago with back-to-back abstinence, and I'm working a step in my life. It's going to be incredibly great. I never had it so good, and uh, I'm so grateful for this program. It really, really works. It's not a program for people who want it or need it. It's a program for people who do it. That's the deal. It's an action program. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's time to close. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. We'll now close the meeting with the serenity prayer. Want to try and somehow join hands? Even if it's rows and grab an elbow or a leg. <laughs> 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 <laughs>